RadioInfluence.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Life in the Fast Lane, hosted by me, your boy, Mr. Black Moses. How's everybody doing out there this week? Hope you are doing great. I'm doing great, actually. Let me back it up. I'm doing grand. I'm doing grand, and I hope that you are, too. Listen, man, listen. I just finished, just wrapped up, just got back from, just concluded what I consider to be an amazing experience with New Jersey Motorsports Park Riders Club. Let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you. Listen, man. The track is, first of all, first of all, if I've preached the good gospel, the good word of getting onto the track for some ride time. And, you know, I if you haven't done it yet, get to it. Get to it. I'm telling you, there is nothing like it. There are some people who get on track and they never look back. You know, like they will dedicate the rest of their riding life to riding strictly on the track. Me, I love riding too much to just dedicate. Look, whenever I can get on the bike, give me the keys. I'm ghost. I'm going. But there are some people that dedicate after they get a little bit, a little taste of the track life. That's all they want. And that's great. And if you are one of those types of people, if you are one of those types of riders, more power to you. If you are a street rider and you haven't had the opportunity to get onto the track, make it happen. Now, with that being said, New Jersey, you know what? And I'm sure that other tracks may have had this concept. I'm not sure. Somebody hit me up with a DM or instant instant message and let me know in case I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure, as far as I know, New Jersey Motorsports Park is the only track that has a riders club that specifically is engineered and caters to and for riders. Okay. A lot of tracks which were designed and built by car people have services strictly for cars. What happens is a lot of track day organizations will go and rent the track. They will rent the venue so they can host their own track day. What New Jersey did, as far as I'm concerned, it's a stroke of genius. They took what they basically they saw what was going on on the car side and saw how successful their driver's club is. And they applied the same theory, but catering it toward riders. Thus, the riders club at NJMP in Millville, New Jersey, South Jersey. Okay, thus it was born. And my magazine, Sport Bikes Inc. magazine, is the media partner for the Riders Club at NJMP. And I got to tell you, man, I got to tell you, it was so much fun. It's just fun. It's great. Um, what what we just wrapped up was a VIP, a VIP track day uh, for the Riders Club for members. And what that is, is the whole day, there's no more than 50 riders. And so what that means is plenty of track 
time. You dig? And they feed you breakfast and lunch and snacks and, and hydration. And there's coaches. And with 50 people, only 50 people, you're getting so much one-on-one attention from the coaches. And you, there's so much seat time. And, and they break the groups up so that it's just, oh, it was basically we were, I keep saying basically. I had to cut that out. <laughs> basically. <laughs> basically. I got to stop saying I'm sorry. The, the the sessions, which are typically, I'm going to start saying typically instead of basically now, the, the sessions are usually 15 minutes, okay? You get 15-minute sessions. With such a limited amount of riders, our sessions were running half an hour, 30 minutes. And it doesn't mean you you, you can ride that, that full 30, but, you know, if you wanted to do 15, 20, 25, if you wanted to do 10, come in, check check things, make sure things were proper, and then go back out for it. It's... It's just the it's such an amazing way to experience the track. And, you know, they they do the VIP uh, track days for members of the Riders Club sporadically. I think it's one every month. But the Riders Club over there's over 40 or 45 track events throughout the season. So if you, you know, if I think it's worth looking into, investigating, finding out if it's something that you as a track rider or as a street rider, whoever, whatever type of rider you are, it's a great opportunity to become part of something. Um, and you're dealing directly with the track. And, that, you know, shout out to all the track day organizations. But I think that this might be the wave of things to come where track of, you know, tracks, actual track venues start hosting their own events specifically for riders. They've been doing it for car clubs, you know, and, and car drivers for so long. I think it's great that New Jersey is acknowledging the riding community, the motorcycle community enough to, you know, see that need and do something about it. So my hat's off to New Jersey Motorsports Park Riders Club. Uh, the next Riders Club event. It's a two-day event. I believe it's June the 22nd and the 23rd. That's a Saturday and a Sunday. Your boy Black Moses will be in full effect. I will be there. You can't miss me. I will be wearing my Icon Hypersport suit murdered out, of course. And it says Black Moses right across, right above my ass, lower back area. So I'm hard to miss. Um, if you are going, if you are planning on going to that day and check out New Jersey, Google New Jersey Motorsports Park. And I think it's www.njmp.com. I could be wrong, but please check it out and, you know, see if you can sign up for it. I don't think registration has closed for it, but check it out. If you are going to be there, please let me know. Hit me up with a DM or instant message or whatever. Get in touch with me. Leave a comment on one of the posts on my social medias, whatever. Okay, let me know you're coming. If you are coming, I will bring something special from me, Black Moses, to you, whoever you may be. All right, but you gotta let me know that you're coming. Um, and when you when you get there, come holler at your boy. All right, track time, seat time, New Jersey Motorsports Park, June the twenty second and the twenty third. Black Moses will be there. You dig? Welcome to life in the fast lane, y'all. Let's ride. 
My guest this week is an amazing custom bike builder, an OG of the custom bike building scene. He's also the owner of Voodoo Industries Custom Motorcycle Components. Please welcome to Life in the Fast Lane, Voodoo Rob Uker. Hey, buddy. How are you? It's great talking to you. Great talking to you, too, man. Um, things are good. Things are good. How's everything with you? How's how's life in good old Cleveland? Well, you know, there is life after LeBron leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think L.A. might be saying the same thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I know in the NBA it's not good to unpack your bags. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the uh, it's it's just kind of funny. The tempo around here for the sports and everything, now it's shifted towards the Browns, which have been a uh, kind of a entry-level, uh, oh, my gosh, the Browns are still around type of team. Right. Uh to somebody that might actually be a contender this year. So sports around here is, is uh, pretty good. Um, the enthusiasm's good. Um, the area itself has been doing very well economically. And uh, the car scene, the motorcycle scene has been really blossoming around this area. Wait, wait, before we go any further, before we go any further, I want the listeners of Life in the Fast Lane to understand who you are you're not just regular Rob? You are the all—I almost said all-powerful. The awesome, the awesome, the awesome. <laughs> where that was going? Right, <laughs> Voodoo Rob. You are Voodoo Rob. I mean, I think, I think uh, a lot of times in today's today's state of mind with the industry, I think the OGs sometimes don't get the propers that they deserve you my friend are an og in this motorcycle game facts Man, I, I, I can i get a gold star i'll put it on my fridge that would yeah. be awesome. <laughs> i'll send you that and some cookies <laughs> too all right <laughs> but no i think it's important for people to understand that there was a time when wait like you know let's get into let's talk about voodoo industries and i wanted we're going to talk about a couple of things during this episode but i want to i want to get things squared away with you can you give us a little bit of your background not just as a custom bike builder but also as a business person you've been in the industry long enough you've seen people come go you've seen the 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 seasons multiple seasons. So for your, with that type of pedigree, you know, what, what are your, what were your come uppings as the old folks say in the industry? Well, uh, Alan, uh, I've known you for a long time, uh, from the days of, you know, the little pickup truck with the little trailer behind it, um, coming from the Cleveland, Ohio area, going out to shows out to the East coast, down to the South and you know, this goes back to the very beginnings, early 2000s, before wide tires started getting bolted on bikes. Uh, you'd mentioned, you know, the, the OGs of, of, the, of the scene. Well, back yeah. then, it, it was Voodoo. It was uh, TOCC. It was Roaring Toys, uh, CSC, uh, Custom Sport Bike Concepts, uh, H2O Cycles. There, there was a lot of guys that were bringing to the table these ideas that, 
wow, you know, this cool stuff on the street, maybe we can convert these into this new form of race bikes and make them custom. Mm -hmm. So they are not all the same. Why not put some lights on them? Why not lower them? Why not take the fairings from an R1 and put them on an an R6? And all that kind of craziness, Uh, you know, somebody made a four-wheeler out of a Hayabusa, you know, (laughs) 20 years ago. Right. And, And that's where all this ingenuity and all this fun stuff started really happening. And then the scene was just like, wow, let's go down to these Myrtle Beach bike weeks and see what that's all about. You know, you had the stretch GSs, the stretch KZs, and then you started chroming them. And then it turned into, let's take the sport bikes and start doing this. So that's where that whole scene just started to balloon. And then you're talking thousands upon thousands of people start just going into an area and then they take these ideas back home and it caught fire really, really well. Um, that scene has cooled down just like the choppers have cooled down. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, choppers have gone through a whole different, went the baggers and now it seems like baggers are slowing down a lot. Um, right now with the Japanese bikes, what we call, you know, the big four, uh, it seems like now it's cafe racers have done a lot of takeover. Um, you can buy a 1976 KZ, you know, 400 very, very inexpensively and, and do it up. So you have to shift with the times and you have to shift with thinking and all that type of stuff. My background actually comes from road racing. I was road racing in the late 90s for a motorcycle shop and the motorcycle shop came up for sale in the east side of Cleveland, Ohio. And so my wife and I purchased uh, the bike shop and then I started seeing what was going on in the street was selling used bikes. And I'm like, well, what if we start making parts? Mm. Made parts for these customs. And then all of a sudden the wide tire bikes started coming out. So we started to run with that. And that's where the Voodoo exhaust came out of was the need for an exhaust to fit with these fat tire bikes. Well, yeah. little did I know that there was a demand in the bike scene for those exhausts, not just for the custom guys, just because people wanted something different, something loud something that was new to the market. And that's where everything started catching fire in the early 2000s. Now, before, now before the, the business side took over, you were an athlete, right? So your, your knowledge and your, uh, you know, your, you, you, as a, how old were you when you were racing before I make an age comment? How old were you when you were racing? Um, when I started, I was, uh, 20, 26. Okay. 26. Yep. And I wanted to make that point that, you know, cause you know, you, you made, you, you made reference to the fact how long you and I have known each other. And I mean, it's been, it's been 20, has it been 20 years? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I remember, you know, you had your, um, my bike you had your shop. Show. Yeah. My, yeah. The shows, the, my bike shop, everything that, you know, it's just, it's interesting that, you know, we're still here, we're still here and we've adapted. And, you know, and I think that that's part of, it's, I don't want to just say survival, but I think longevity is a better word and we'll get into that, you know, but I wanted to, to make a point of saying that you have been around and you know, you know, both sides of things as an, as an athlete as a business person, as a creator, as an engineer, all those aspects 
that are put on the table that are elements of of what you are. But I gotta ask, voodoo, like <laughs> how how what was this how what was that discussion like to settle on? You know what we're gonna we're gonna call a company voodoo. What is that rooted in? Well, it it actually came up quite quickly and easily as I mentioned the parts came out of a necessity when we were doing the bikes and the shop that we owned at the time was adrenaline power sports okay and that was geared towards the road racing and that that's what kind of hooks into your athlete thing there the road racing that we were doing for so long um so we had team adrenaline back then that was our race team running around doing that through Weira, basically the whole east coast east of the mississippi we were all over the place for three four years so now the parts start getting hot, developing, and we have to come up with a name for them. And there's a Bugs Bunny cartoon. And in there, the little Martian guy, there's also a little guy in there with the Martian guy, and that's little voodoo. Mm. So that's where the voodoo hits, right from right there. Let's go. Let's run with the voodoo name. And then everything, as far as parts that we come out with, why don't we tie them to the voodoo name? You know, like one of our baffle inserts is called the speakeasy well mm. that that deals with voodoo that, that gives you that idea of what's going on with with the name one of our systems is called the big easy so that t- ties in with the name everything kind of worked and when i looked up at the time there was nobody in our genre of motorcycles that was using the voodoo name so that's what we went with and it's really stuck and now if uh, you want to refer to me as Voodoo Rob? I think that's what's going to be written on on that last day. <laughs> it's going to say Voodoo Rob, and you'll be able to Google that and find where I'm at. <laughs> but you know what's the thing? You know what the interesting thing is? What I love about talking, you know, to people I consider friends, uh, and you know, I thought I knew something. But through this conversation, I just learned Black Moses is 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 for the forever student. I'm always interested in learning new things. But <laughs> I just, you know what, you know where I thought voodoo was going? I thought that you guys were that you were just making magic for <laughs> for bikes, and that's the way my mind went. It was something like, and then look, you know, like to say voodoo, and you you. You're not necessarily casting spells, but you are just doing magical things for the for the industry, for the custom bikes and the bikes you were making were so just otherworldly. That's where my mind went. Little did I know that we have Warner Brothers, <laughs> a big, a big bunny, you know, a Bugs Bunny cartoon that thinks for that. But, you know, hey, you know what? We give props where props are due. Well, you know what? I, I could have made all that up and went that route. It's a lot more interesting that way. Well, you uh, know, if you want to rewrite it, go right ahead, you know. <laughs> you, you Take liberty. Take liberty. You, you know, it's what I do. It's what Black Moses does. I, you know, I look out for the cookout, you know. Um, I wanted to ask you about in your, oh, man, in your catalog of motorcycles that you have built, you have graced I don't know if there's someone who was taking a tally, but how many motorcycle magazine covers have you been on? Uh, just under 30. And the it seems like more to me. To me, it seems like more. I mean, even back then, you know, with two-wheel tuner, it seems like every other month you were on the cover of that. You were on the cover of Super Street Bike. And then, of course, you know, the 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 Herald Sport Bike Sync magazine, you dig, um, <laughs> several times. 
But in that in in that in, in that scope, what have been some of the most Ah, man. What are some of the bikes that you're most proud of that you've built? Does anything stick out or jump out? Well, um, I think even to this day, if you Google my name, the shop name, uh, what's going to come up first with the wide tire bikes is going to be the Viper bike. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's pretty much what caught the traction for us, uh, bringing the shop, my name, my ideas, everything that was involved to the to the arena of wow we're players we're here we're coming and we're going to knock everybody out uh that bike introed at the indie dealer expo on the top level in the left hand corner with me it was a little 10 foot booth and the bike was sitting out front and i told nobody about it i just brought it and it was a snowy snowy weekend was that 08 was that 08 or 09 that was 07. I was there. 07. I was there. I recall. That was 07. We were up top. And then, you know, we had a lot of chrome parts that we were hanging on the wall, that type of thing. But I brought the bike and there were people literally just stopped in their tracks taking pictures. And I had invites and Kawasaki came over and that's what really lit everything up. As far as, you know, the bike that did it for us, that's definitely the one that, that cemented us. Nobody had a car themed bike. Uh, that was the brand new-ish ZX-14 at that time. It had only been out a few months, and it, it just lit up. And quite honestly, that is one of my favorite paint jobs that we've ever done on a bike. It's blue with white stripes. Yeah. But the the detail to it was just absolutely my favorite of all time. Um, I If you look at my catalog of, of the bikes, my personal stuff that I do for, for myself, I have done a few of the car bikes, car tribute bikes. And I, I enjoy that genre because I also enjoy the autos too. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't want to get too crazy with it. I just like the few cues, you know, and there was a lot of people that were inspired by that and they went out and did their own versions. And even to this day, I, I still get people that email, Hey, I made my own Viper bike and they send a Viper. <laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome, man. Whatever your interpretation is, it's, that's what the art is. You know what yeah. I what I love not to cut you off I'm sorry but what I've been what attracts me to your style of of work is that it's it, I don't want to simplify it by saying less is more but you kind of said something you don't you're not ostentatious about it you know what I mean it's not egregious it's it's very much like it's it's definitely not stock but it's not so far gone that you're like, what is that? It's classy. It's tasteful. There's so many, the elements are bold, you know, but it's not like, it's not, it's next level without being out the, you know, out of the world, down the block and around the corner. It's very, you do beautiful stuff, man. Beautiful stuff. Well, thank you. Thanks for noticing that. You can ask uh, the guys that have worked for me, and there's my current guys, that type of thing. When I, when I do bikes for that, like that for myself, I like to concentrate on the smoothness of making it flow as one whole entity. I don't want it to look like a bunch of parts with a Busa emblem on them bolted on right. 45 times over, and they're all going in different directions, and it makes my eyes hurt. <laughs> that that it makes you I, I, want, I want the 
I, I want the motorcycle to have a feeling to it and a flow when you start at the front and you go to the back. You know, if you put a paint job on it, I want it to have motion going from the front to the back right. without it moving. Right. And th- sometimes that gets lost and sometimes it's just inexperience um, with some people when they're doing that. And it, it's fine. It, you just have to find what is your interpretation of the art. Um, I like the, the simple less is more, but I have to get into things of if I do take a brake caliper off the bike, I want to chop the mounts off and I want them as smooth as if they weren't there to begin with. I don't want a hole somewhere right. that something isn't, isn't working. Because it looks unfinished. To me, uh, it, it you do one little thing here, one little thing there, and then those little things add up to something and then all of a sudden you have a creation. Right. And that, that's the kind of the way I look at it, even down to the bolt heads. Like, you know, if the bolt heads and the fairing are all in line with each other, is somebody going to notice that? Most likely not, but in the overall package, you're going to feel that bike is, wow, that thing is really built well and put together. And that's the craziness of when you're, when you're really getting in there and getting into the details of it. I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it to this day. I'll probably enjoy it every day for the rest of my life because I loved the little details like that. And there's a lot of guys out there, a lot of girls out there that are putting out machines now that are just absolutely gorgeous. And they, they are not sport bikes. They're cafe bikes. They're their interpretation of beautiful art. And I'll tell you, it's the, the swing that's out there right now is really incredible. Mm. Now, we've it's, it, it's so interesting because when I talk to builders, you I've learned and I know this, you know, from my time in the industry, but interviewing and talking with and having conversations about their creations and obviously present company included you guys and ladies are artists and I think that sometimes gets lost in translation as well to say a bike builder there's a big difference between somebody as you kind of mentioned somebody uh, going purchasing parts or an emblem and bolting it on or just the, the concept of just the bolt on it's a lot different when you're talking about the creative process and having lines and making sure that your eyes move, even though the bike's standing still, you want to flow. These are all creative terms. And I think that that's important for the audience to understand that, you know, true builders, you're not just builders, you're artists, you know, and I think that you, again, that's something that you guys and ladies need to receive propers for. And you have built some incredible pieces of art. See what I did there? Pieces of art for a number of celebrities as well. So can you give me a quick, you know, give me the short list of people that you built, notable people that you built uh, pieces of art for? Okay. Um, actually, if, if uh, you're following us on Instagram and uh, Facebook, we had some pictures up the other day of a bike that we did for TI and his Aku clothing brand. And that was in partnership with Yamaha. And uh, that was a, a build that was done in a little over three weeks. Uh, beautiful, beautiful bike. Um, again, going to the paint, it had to match what their company values were. You know, uh, basically earth, wind, water, that was had to be translated into their paint job. Um, that bike came out beautiful. Love that one. And working with TI, that was an unbelievable. His movie Takers had just 
came out. I don't know if you guys remember that movie. That was a good movie. I'm just saying, yeah. that was a good movie. <laughs> it was a good movie, sure. Absolutely. Well, you know, Voodoo Rob from Cleveland and Carol <laughs> have the bike all done. And I shipped the bike through uh, uh, piano carriers. Uh, they, they specialize in doing motorcycles on these little shipping carts that they used to ship pianos on. Mm -hmm. So the bikes aren't ever rolling. They strap them down on these little carts and they go into the trucks and then they make it across the country. Very cool concept. Uh, we put the bike in there. We flew out to Las Vegas. They were doing a premiere for takers and they're like, why don't you bring the bike out and we'll put it on the red carpet. And I'm like, I've never been to a red carpet event. Let's check it out. Well, little did I know, the bike was literally on the red carpet with T.I. Wow. In front of the Bellagio. What? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then I have entertainment tonight coming up and they stick the microphone in your face. <laughs> it was a great, great experience. What's funny is, is when one, one of those, uh, uh, I, I don't know what you want to call them, newscasters or the people for entertainment tonight and all that, they... They get the scoop on what's going on around town and everything. When one starts interviewing you, all of a sudden the other ones go, well, wait a minute. Why are they talking to them? So there's four or five people lined up and ask me. They stick a microphone in your face and go, who are you? Uh, I'm that's like, great. I'm <laughs> You don't know? <laughs> oh, that's but great. It, it was really, really fun. And uh, going to the after party with that. That was a great build, great experience. Uh, Yamaha got some uh, exposure and some traction out of it for the R1. That's when the, the cross-plane R1 had just come out. They sent us two brand-new bikes for doing that, and it, it was a, a great launch for the machine. Uh, another thing that we did, we did a, a great uh, tour with the clothing company Tap Out. Okay. Uh, built, built two Hayabusas uh, with Suzuki for them. They toured the entire country. And what was funny is, is the bikes were crisscrossing each other, going to the individual shows so that there was always a bike at one show. Uh, at a few shows, there were two bikes and it depended on where they were shipping. So they split up. It was kind of like how they do uh, big concerts nowadays. They have two separate concerts traveling at the same time. It was actually really cool how we did it. Nobody ever knew the bikes were exactly the same except for the clutch covers. Oh, that's and that's great. how I know. Yeah, that's how I know which one was at which show. And um, that that turned out really well working with Tap Out and meeting a lot of the fighters, going to the Tap Out headquarters and meeting Scrape and Punk Ass. And, you know, that was right after their partner had been killed in the Ferrari crash. Mm. Uh, so there was a, a, a little bit of somber in what we were doing. And so there had to be a little bit of tribute in that bike. Um, if you look at uh, pictures of that bike, that's why that bike is dark. I don't usually do dark bikes, but that was their mood at that time. And that's where they wanted to go. And th definitely I wanted to go that route with them too, because it was giving respect to their, their long gone partner. Wow. What about the Silva bike? Anderson Silva. That yeah. was a great build. That actually ended up by accident. Really? Uh, yes. Uh, if you, anybody out there that follows MMA fighting, that type of thing, Originally, I was going to build a bike for Kimbo Slice. Wow. And, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if I'll give you a little bit of background. I'll give you the, the quick version of it, sure. the, the 2.0 version. Um, we had been in talks with Kimbo Slice, his trainer, 
about doing a bike because I was manufacturing custom wheels at that time. And he had a car that he wanted wheels done. He saw my wheels and he started asking at the plant where my wheels were being made. Hey, what's up with this? And, and he started about motorcycles. All of a sudden we're calling back and forth, got two wheel tuner involved, got Suzuki involved, got a contract involved. Well, that's right when Kimbo Slice, the name was, wow, did you guys ever see the Street Fighter? All these YouTube videos, all that. So his first big fight, I, I'm sure you remember that was all yeah, hyped up. I do recall. Everybody's like, wow, everybody's got to check this guy out. Well, he shows up and gets knocked out in what, eight seconds? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's not funny. You know, and rest in peace, Kimbo. You know, he passed away. Rest in peace. But I do recall his uh, professional debut. Yeah, yeah, it was not as stellar as he had hoped, I'm sure. Right. Um, that went down. I'm looking at Carol on the couch, and then all of a sudden my phone rings, and it's Factory Suzuki. Mm-hmm. And Factory Suzuki. <laughs> hey, hold on, wait a minute. I'm like, oh, he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. after that conversation, there was a lot of question marks, and then my phone rings, and it's Sarah from Two Wheel Tuner. And we have to find a different direction or we're going to lose the whole campaign for doing this. Right. So I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so I literally just looked up fighters and it was first name that came up was Anderson Silva. And I'm like, I'm just going to give this a shot. I called and called and called and called people. And then I used a few contacts that I had met through tap out mm-hmm. to get a phone number for, Anderson's manager, Ed. And then so I gave Ed a call finally after some emails back and forth asking permission. And then all of a sudden, Anderson wanted to do it. He wanted to do the bike. He wanted to do a little bit of promotion with it. And that's how it all came together. Nice. Uh, Meeting Anderson was an unbelievable experience, unbelievable fighter at the time. Uh, I know there's some controversy surrounding his name now. but, But at the time, I mean, he was at the top of his game. He came here to the west side of Cleveland, Ohio, and we had a fight at the local Quaker State in Lube. They had amateur fights that he came and he judged and signed autographs. And we went to a local radio station, did a bunch of uh, uh, radio and uh, print with that. For the next day, we did a bunch of interviews. That was really, really fun. Um, He stayed right by our house and he ate dinner at our house. My mom made him deviled eggs. That's great. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and here, here's one little one little tidbit for everybody out there. The <laughs> Anderson Silva used to work at McDonald's uh, before he came to the United States, and he begged me, begged me to go buy McDonald's so he could get two Big Macs and a large orange juice. Are you and serious? That, yeah, that he had to have it. And I'm like, okay, let's let's do it. I mean, it's you call the ball, man. You, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm I'm looking at Carol, going, you know, if he loses his next fight. Somebody is going to find us and just string you us up. Your McDonald's and, fatten, and- <laughs> uh, fattening Anderson Silver up, and he loses his belt. <laughs> oh man! See, there's so much rich history, you know, and that's the thing when you when you when you when you look at oh, you know, I I hate making that noise, but I make that noise when you know I don't want to. We don't throw shade on life in the fast lane, and we don't point fingers, and we it's all positive and love, positivity and love. But I wonder if the kids, and we'll just say that, we'll call them kids that are coming up right now, if they will, if, if they'll ever get a chance to embrace the history 
of our culture, because that's what this is. This is our culture and these stories and these anecdotes of everything from, you know, why something is called this or who was involved with that and how and who almost had something messed it up. So you had to flip it and reverse it and turn it around so it could be something else like all these things that happen. Um, I just I hope I hope that with life in the fast lane, we'll continue to, you know, shed light on these this history of our culture. That's that's what well, I want to do. I, yeah, I think it's very important what you're doing. Uh, there'll, there'll be people that are listening for and they'll hear all this information that we've been talking back and forth here for a little while. And they'll be like, I never knew any of this and look into it and fall in love with it. There'll be other people that process it and just throw it in, in the back of the mind and they'll remember it as part of motorcycling type of thing and move on to the next thing. Um, I think it's great to, to remember history and to, to keep things uh, in check, but it's also good to look forward also. Um, what, whoa, wait, and that's, oh, Rob, that's a great point. And I want to ask you, where do you think we're going? The industry, where? And let me, let me qualify that. What in terms of that the bike scene that we came up in, okay, we'll call that the golden age, the golden age of the custom bike scene. Sure. Okay. Now, and we've talked about how things, the seasons, the choppers, then and now what's the baggers, and now what we what we could what we could term the uh, neo uh, retro classic or whatever neo retro, whatever they're calling it. Okay. Where do you think, in the scope of that, where are we going? What's next? I feel that there, there's always a, a move forward with motorcycles, cars, anything mechanical, when economies are good, when there's a lot of uh, positive um, financial going on out there. I think that we're going to see a little bit of a leap here. I mean, you've, you've seen the past couple of years, the manufacturers have been releasing motorcycles that literally should just be for hypersonic travel. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're talking Kawasaki. Speed. Yeah, yeah, the Kawasaki H2. How is that thing even legal? Right. You know what I mean? Ten years ago, you'd be like a supercharged bike. You could buy a 300 horsepower bike. Now, it doesn't have a title. But you could buy the wimpy version for 200, <laughs> bolt a couple things on, and you're almost at the 300 again. So right. how is that even possible? How, how does that even work? You know, and we're on the cusp here of every year, I know this gets teased, of the new Hayabusa. Okay? Right. So maybe this year. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been maybe this year for the last three, four, maybe five years. Oh, there's a heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What, what's funny is Suzuki, though, get it together, get it together, Suzuki. Well, they they build, they sell and build all the time, and they keep building them and they keep selling them. You know, I, it's if it it's ain't like, broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I guess you could consider it the the Mustang of the car scene. Yeah. I mean, it just keeps going and going and going and going. Um, but again, I I think that motorcycles are going to keep advancing. There's a lot of electric bike talk out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the classic people like myself are going to be very resistant to electric motorcycles. I like the, I like the idea of them, I, but I'm on the motorcycle because I like the smell of the oil. Right. I like the gasoline. The I like the rumble. 
Right. I, I, I like to, I like to see the thing moving when you're sitting at the light. I mean, it's just it's part of the whole experience. And now you take that out of the equation and I'm like, well, they've done it to the cars. I've been in electric cars. I think they're great, but I have to be in a car to get somewhere. I don't have to be on a motorcycle to get right. somewhere. Some people use it as transportation. I don't, I use it for enjoyment. Right. The pleasure, you know, the pleasure thereof. So, right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there, there's, there's things that are fighting, but I think as all these cool new materials are coming out, you know, I mean, since when did bikes come with titanium and carbon fiber and all these great, great substrates that, that just create these wonderful machines? I mean, carbon fiber wheels are starting to come stock on higher end cars now. That's you, crazy. You know, it's, I was just in Barber for the 2020 press interview, uh, the uh, press intro for the 2020 BMW S1000RR. And oh, dude, like, it's carbon fiber and and technology and wires and computers and everything. It's everything that you're saying. It's just like 10, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. None of this, none of this was, was none of this existed. And it might have been a thought, but. grid. That's where it existed was on the GP grid. You're right. You're right. But in the consumer market, though, it was beyond the scope of my financial means. <laughs> okay, It was like, you know, the, the, the concept of these things being available to purchase on to the walk into a dealership. And oh, there it is. You can buy this and ride it home today. It's, well, you know, what? you touched on something there real quick, though. You know, the, the financial end of it. These bikes are getting expensive. Yeah, they are getting getting. They are. Voodoo well, bikes are expensive, man. Well, oh, oh, no doubt, no doubt. When the Busa first came out, that was eighty nine ninety five on sale, right? Rob, say it again. Rob, how much was it? Eighty nine ninety five. <laughs> That's eight thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars. Right. You can't get a six hundred. <laughs> no. For now. No. I, I mean, what 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 are we talking about? Ninja six fifty? Is that about where that that lands? Almost, almost, maybe. You know, yeah. but but yeah. yeah, maybe. So, but I mean, now we're talking twenty thousand dollars for your big bore bikes, mm-hmm. and then your specialty big bore bikes are going to be twenty five to thirty grand. Yep. Um, now that that also leads into that creates another segment of the motorcycling that we touched on a little bit too is that retro, that cafe scene, yeah. buying those CB650s, buying those KZ400s, you know, that bike that you saw in the 80s underneath the tree for $100, okay? <laughs> that has totally created a whole new genre of motorcycles. Yep. The cafe racer. You know, I have two sitting right in, in my uh, office right now. I'm standing right next to them. Um, the, the first one is a KZ400. That was my first ever bike that I bought. 1976 brown with orange and neon green stripes night i found the exact one two years ago and i bought it and it's sitting in my in my office that was my first bike that i ever touched the street on and i'll never forget it but that bike they made tens of thousands of those things they they printed those things out like they, they were newspapers <laughs> you know? wow but there's there's a huge following for that cafe scene now and you'll see that, you know, there's TV shows dedicated to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what, man? You know, I think that if if what we're saying is that 
the future of the of our industry, okay, of our culture is just forward progression. I think that's a good thing. I think that you know that we will continue to evolve as the factors evolve, financial, uh, materials, uh, concepts, the human spirit. As we continue to evolve, so will our culture and the fruits of our culture will be, look, who knows? It, it could be before, 20, before 2025, we might see a motorcycle that can take flight. We just might. I think I, 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 I know you've seen that video. Did you see that video of the, the flying motorcycle? On YouTube, yes, yeah, yeah, crazy. Bet, bet money, bet money. Black Moses bets money that by twenty, <laughs> by twenty thirty, okay, we can go into a dealership and buy a flying motorcycle. Okay, are you bet me an original Black Moses helmet that that's going to happen? <laughs> yes. Okay, we go. Yes. Okay. OG Black Moses helmet. I said it. Listen, brother Rob, it's. I don't want to take up too much of your time, man. We could go on and on and pontificate all day long. But I, I want to uh, make sure that we we get to the Super Pole section of the interview. And I, you've listened to the show, so are you familiar with the Super Pole questions? Well, why don't we bring everybody up to speed? Okay. <laughs> the Super Pole questions. Basically, I ask certain questions, two or three uh, pertinent to you and uh, it's kind of a rapid response rapid fire and rapid response and you just give me you know your your first your first inklings your first honest true truth okay are you ready for the super poll section short and sweet absolutely Here let's we go. get it let's get it okay question number one tupac or biggie biggie all day long what really all day long. I swore you were Tupac, dude. I swore. Okay, tell me why. Tell me why. I just, the the way that he flows and the way that his voice sounds to me is just absolutely quintessential, the godfather of rap to me. Wow. I, I just, just love what he does. Rob, I love you just said a true thing. You just called Notorious B.I.G. Biggie Smalls the godfather of rap. Wow, that is impressive. Yes, yes, me. So that's that's my interpretation. Maybe I wrong. Dig it. But no, me. no, no. There are no wrong answers here, bro. That is just impressive. You go ahead, go ahead, Rob. Go ahead, go ahead. All right, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on. Question number two. In terms of rear tires, stock or a fat ass three hundred. Boy, that, that is a hard question. This is what I do. I don't do anything. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. I come with the thunder. Uh, well, Fat ass if, or a stock tire? Well, I'm stock tiring if I want performance. I'm wide tiring if I, I want to lay low and slow. Okay. That's fair. That's fair and it makes so, sense. I, I, I mean, I can't use... You can't use them for both. If, if you try 240 is going to be your best answer in that. So that gives you zero answer on that one. <laughs> We'll take it. Moving <laughs> on. Final question in the Super Bowl. If you could take a ride with anyone alive, no longer with us, biblical, mythological, uh, fictional, non-fictional, uh, where would you ride? First of all, who would it be? Where would you ride? And what would you be riding? Wow. That right? is a 
deep. This is deep. what I, Rob, this is what I do, man. This is why I have a show. This is why I have a show. And see, I'm going to have to give you an answer and you're going to look at that and you're going to dissect and go, okay, I see what his personality is like. Break it on down. Oh boy. You see, I could go deep. I could go wide. I can go left. I can go right on this one. Do as you wish. Okay. Do as I wish. Okay. I would, I would love to go on a trip through South America, just like the motorcycle diaries. Did you ever see that movie? Yes, yes, yes. Junk old bike, two men riding motorcycles um, with Paul McCartney. Wow. And the one reason is, is Paul McCartney is one of the pillars of the music that we listen to today. And I love music. I love listening. I love watching. Carol and I go to concerts all the time. I just think that Paul McCartney is just a heck of a stand-up person. He does a lot of philanthropy. He's been knighted. I mean, the guy's crazy. Wow. He's he's just he's a he's an unbelievable human being. Now I could have went crazy and, and said religious figures. I could have said this guy, this president, that type of thing. But that's something that kind of shows you a little bit of the appreciation for art because he created with him and three other guys music that had never existed before. Dude, that is uh that's a great answer. And on that note, <laughs> there is, there's no retort there. There's no retort. You said everything. You didn't expect it. So that's what you got. You know what, though? But sometimes when you don't, that, when you don't expect things, you are, that was a happy surprise. I thought I was going deep with the question and you molly it and came deep with the answer. That's what I'm talking. That's great conversation right there, Rob. That's how you do it. Listen, well, man. <laughs> listen, how... Can everybody listening to Life in the Fast Lane, how can the fans of Black Moses become fans of Voodoo Rob and Voodoo Industries? What are your social media accounts? How can we how can they follow? Well, uh, you can find us on uh, Voodoo Industries um, on Instagram and then Voodoo Custom Motorcycle Components on Facebook. Love it, and man. we're on there all the time. You can shoot us messages. You can say hello, send us pictures of your bikes, whatever you like. If you want to ask us a question, you're more than happy to send us a question and we'll help you out. Love it, man. Anybody you want to say thank you to or hello to or shout out? Uh, probably first and foremost, I just Carol, my wife, just for being there the entire roller coaster. And it's still a roller coaster, believe me. They're, we're still on, <laughs> still on the, the tops of the hills and the bottom of the hills, but it's just a fun ride and we're never going to get off. And everybody out there that I've met in the past and I look forward to meeting in the future and Black Moses, you are just a great individual and it's Aww. so nice talking with you. Love you, brother. I love you, man. I mean that. I mean that from the heart, man. You, you, we, from since day one, you've been a huge supporter and a, and a friend and, and part of the family. So I'm saying thank you to you, bro. Thank you. Thank you very much. And everyone out there, enjoy your day and be the best you can. I'll talk to you soon, brother Rob. I'll talk to you, man. All right. Thanks, man. That's our show for this week. Thank you so much to my man, Voodoo Rob. Make sure you guys check out Voodoo Industries. That's that's such a, he's such a good dude, man. He has built some of the most incredible looking art motorcycles. Just phenomenal guy. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate and love you, man. Can't wait to see you again soon. 
please follow the show on Instagram at Life in the Fast Lane Official. On Twitter, you can find us at L-I-T-F-L Official. And on Facebook, check us out at Life in the Fast Lane Podcast. Please hit that like, the share, the subscribe button. We will be right back here next Friday with an all-new episode of Life in the Fast Lane, hosted by me, your boy, Mr. Black Moses. I'm gone. This is a Jim Fannin Show Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Later in my life, my father gets very sick and, and very ill. And if you've experienced that, uh, man, I, you have my empathy. And if you haven't, I don't look forward for that happening for you. But my father's gravely ill. And he called me into his room, and we're alone. And I know he wants to give me some message, some instructions. I know he's not going to be living much longer. And here's what he said. He said, Jimmy, I don't want you to drink a lot. I said, Dad, I I don't. I'm an athlete. Yeah, but if you do drink, drink Kentucky bourbon. Don't drink that Tennessee stuff. And don't put any Coke or pop in there. Just a little ice and sip it like a gentleman. Don't just drink it and get nuts. Be responsible. But drink Kentucky bourbon. I don't want you to gamble. Dad, I I don't gamble. He said, but Jimmy. The Kentucky Derby, you got to make a bet every year. Every year, you got to make a bet. Well, I've been to 35 derbies, and um, I make a bet every year to honor my father. Be nice to the ladies. Say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Open the door. Give up your seat on an airplane or a bus or wherever you are. I will, Dad. And honor your mom. Love your mom. You got a great mom. You know, sometimes mom and I have differences, but she's a great mother. And I'll always respect her. You know I will, Dad. I promise. And then he looked around to see if anybody else was in the room. And there were no one in the room. We're alone. He said, and you should hook up with a redhead. It's awesome. Now, my mother was blind, so I'm not sure what that meant. There was a redhead in the neighborhood, but I didn't want to go there mentally. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for the lessons. Thanks for the stepping stones that you placed in front of me so that I could become a world-class decision maker. The Jim Fannin Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.